0: The Gleaming Streamline Studios, state-of-the-art, I might add, but I won't. The following program is produced by Magic Man Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. I am, dare I say it? The legendary Burl Bear, host of True Crime Uncensored, co-host Howard Lapidus has an empty chair, but a full mind and a warm heart. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, is here. Yes, sir. And uh, our producer, Magic Matt Allen. I'm my own special guest today. First of all, being it's the holiday weekend, it is both Passover and Easter. It might be something else as well, but I'm going to give you a big thrill by uh, reading you uh, a short story that I wrote. This was called Olives for Easter. A good burglar pays attention to details. Take me, for example. I meet folks here in Palm Springs, charm them with my ready wit, elicit important lifestyle data, and liberate their possessions with skill and expertise. Now, early this spring, I met a gorgeous Greek woman named Malia on Palm Canyon Boulevard. She had olive skin, large dark eyes, and her best lines were curves. We struck up a pleasant conversation over a $73,000 watch at a fancy jewelry store. Class, she had it. Wealth, she didn't conceal it. Like I say, a good burglar pays attention to details. I invited her to lunch, she accepted, we got along fine. Soon we were discussing art, both expensive and rare. Guess what? Turns out she collects it. Has a condo full of what I call real hawkable stuff. I also found out an important personal detail. She spends Easter in Long Beach with her mother, the sunrise service being a venerable family tradition. I tell her I'm more into Easter egg hunts than church, and that'd be with family in Seattle. My family isn't in Seattle, and What's left of us stopped accepting my collect calls years ago. The Wednesday before Easter, I had a specialty shop in Seattle send Malia a bottle of olives with a little note that said, Share these with your mother. Happy Easter. Nice touch, huh? Can't go wrong giving Greeks olives. Twas the night before Easter and all through her house not a creature was stirring except me, the louse, I untoned under my breath as I eased into her condo. The artwork was lovely, her wealth was extreme. No doubt the jewelry was a cat burglar's dream. I admit being miffed when I noticed the gift jar of olives complete with notes sitting on her living room table. I noticed things like that. I figured either she forgot or didn't care for it so much for her we didn't have that much in common anyway. And if I let the relationship lapse before it gets serious at least I won't break her heart. It was quiet as Christ's tomb when I crept into the bedroom. Jewelry's usually in the dresser carefully slotted between the pantyhose and other feminine undergarments. That's where it was, all right, and that's when the screaming began. Lights came on, and I was caught standing there with a diamond pendant in one hand and a fistful of dancekins in the other. Malia looked mighty fine in a nightgown, but she appeared unpleasantly peeved, clutching that thirty-eight revolver. There was nothing I could do at that point except get shot or make conversation. I thought you were visiting your mother for Easter. We're Greek, said Malia. Our Easter is next week. Yeah. Yes, a good burglar pays attention to tales. <laughs> that's my Easter story that I wrote. That's great. Thank you. I also wrote a uh, a, a Passover story. Oh. Who can resist a, a Passover story, no matter how bizarre it is? And uh, that's me, because <laughs> I, I write weird ones. Okay, just a second here. Okay. This is called Children of the Exodus. The village rabbi, hearing the Messiah was resting in a farmhouse on the edge of town, resolved to bring him free will offerings of the finest gold and linen. The rabbi, however, possessed neither gold nor linen. Naturally, he would not steal it, but rather, following the example of the Children of the Exodus, he made an appeal. His sister was a well known prostitute of much success in the intercourse of commerce. Donning the disguise he kept at the synagogue, lest he be recognized at the brothel, the rabbi approached his sister at her place of business. Much as the followers of Moses requested gifts of gold and fabric from the idolatrous Egyptians prior to encountering the Lord at Sinai, the rabbi requested gold and linen from his sister to present before Messiah. Her heart filled with love for her brother, and wishing him happiness, she complied with his request. Arriving at the farmhouse on the edge of town, the rabbi greeted the Messiah, saying, "I bring you my free-will offerings of precious gold and fine linen." The Messiah looked at the gifts, then he spoke gently but firmly, "The gold is tainted; the linen is soiled. This offering from you is impure, but Messiah said, "The rabbi, although the gold be tainted by prostitution and the linen likewise soiled." Are the gifts not sanctified as in the days of the exodus from Egypt? The Messiah, filled with compassion, explained. The gold and linen were gifted to you in pure intent. It was your desire to impress me that tainted the offering. Return to your sister free of disguise and express to her my blessing and acceptance of her free will gift. The rabbi arose to leave with heavy heart, but Messiah stated, whosoever leaves here, must do so with gladsome heart, he said, and bestowed upon the rabbi a warm embrace. Take with you on your return this lesson, said Messiah. More important than the prayer is the spirit in which it is uttered, and more important than the spirit of its utterance is the authenticity and consecration with which it is realized in deeds. Know thou it is preferable, in the eyes of God to honestly serve on your knees in a brothel than to stand before the Lord in selfish disguise. The end. Well, I'm screwed. <laughs> yep. Lucky boy. <laughs> we call that winning first prize. Now today, sandwiched as we are, between a slice of matza and a ham sandwich... <laughs> Well, Howard's the him sandwich. <laughs> well, I'm sandwiched between you and Howard. That's Howard safe. wisely hasn't shown up yet, so he missed my two short stories. The story I'm gonna tell you now is a true one and uh gotta tell you this. I write a lot of true crime, but doing it for over twenty, what, twenty five years. That's why I'm the grand old man of true crime in America. The secret of that? Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> now, here's John Travolta. Um in murder there are three things: motive means and opportunity of all the murder cases that I've investigated over 25 years, the motive behind this murder is the stupidest motive in the history of homicide honestly
1: I mean it's even stupider than I just felt like it even stupider than you felt like I felt like knowing it oh God how did I
0: wind up with this? Why? Cause I'm, I'm, I've led a nice life. Well, why, why is the Lord punishing me? Anyway. Okay, look at Rhonda Glover, who shot Jimmy Jose because she thought he and Satan were having sex with clones in the cave under her house. Right? She was nuts. That's not the sickest motive in the world for murder, being nuts. Other people do it out of jealousy or a hot-blooded murder when they come home and they find their spouse having sex with the milkman. Now, being as there's no milkman anymore, that doesn't happen so often. But there used to be a lot of bottle rattling going on in my neighborhood. Now, this case is insane. Not insane like Rhonda. But wait till you hear the motive. First, let me tell you the crime. It was September 11th. Not the same September 11th as the attack on the World Trade Center. This is September 11th, 1995. This wonderful couple, guy's named Robert Henry, he's married. They're very happily married. He's a heck of a nice guy. He works uh, as a business, is very successful. Everyone likes him. Nothing could be better. He gets off work about 5 o'clock, goes out to the parking lot. Out of the bushes comes a guy, all dressed in black, with a black motorcycle helmet, concealing his identity. He's got a, a shotgun, camouflage, prints on it. And a pistol grip. Walks right up to him, assassination style. Kills him. Shoots him in the head with a shotgun. Right in front of uh, God, witnesses, and for all I know, Mary Higgins Clark. Everyone sees this. The guy turns, goes back to the bushes, vanishes. Now, Robert's wife happens to be home, you know, puttered around the house, doing whatever she does. She's got the TV on. All of a sudden, there's a, you know, breaking news bulletin on TV. And she turns to look at it, and what does she see? Her husband's dead body in the parking lot of where he works. Of course, the body's been covered, but she can see his hand and his watch. I think maybe it was a gift she gave him. She recognizes that, recognizes his shoes. Of course, immediately she goes into a state of shock, jumps in the car, drives there, and, you know, try to hold her back. Of course, she's overwhelmed. Now, who in the world would shoot the nicest guy in Tacoma, Washington? Well, of course, uh, the cops decided they're going to take a look. Now, maybe this guy has a secret life. Maybe, you know, maybe he's, uh owes the gambling debts or drug money or God knows what.
1: Or a cross-dressing.
0: Or, yeah, it could no. be. He had a big debt at uh, Fredericks of Hollywood. I don't know. They check into everything. guy's clean as a cosmic whistle. So that's not it. They ask his wife, anybody, you think of anybody who would kill your husband? She goes, Yeah Larry Shandola. Now, why would Larry Shandola want to kill Robert Henry? Why? That's a very good question, and I'm glad you asked. No rational reason whatsoever. Did they know each other? Yes, they knew each other. In fact, they had kind of been buddies, and they'd, they had a little business together on a side business where uh, they would acquire, uh, you know, like flip this house, they'd acquire a, a place, uh, Robert would finance the deal. Larry would go in and, and do the repairs and remodeling, and they'd sell it. Well, that didn't work out too well. And one night, they are having, uh, I think it was Christmas dinner. All the families were together over, I think, at Shandola's. And they were chatting amiably. And suddenly, Shandola makes an offer. I'll pay $10,000, uh, Robert, for your wife to show me her breasts. Does I beg your pardon? says, I'll pay you $10,000. Let me take your wife to the other room. She drops her top, and I get to see her breasts. How about that? Well, no one finds that offer particularly amusing, even though it is the holiday season.
1: Well, you know, the gift that keeps on giving.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know for how long. But anyway, so uh, Robert and Larry wind up in the, uh, in the kitchen in the other room having a conversation. Now, Robert is very excited on a gift that his wife has given him. Flying lessons. No, not the kind where you put on a cape and jump out the window, but, you know, like in an airplane. (coughs) You all right? That was was him coughing. That wasn't me. He's always wanted to learn how to fly. His wife has bought him the flying lessons. He is very happy about this. Larry says, that's stupid. Flying is a stupid pastime. You're much better off driving a boat. Boating is a better pastime than flying. (laughs) <laughs> that's I mean, it's not an argument you're going to win on either side because you only win arguments over things you can look up, like in an encyclopedia or in a dictionary. Something
1: that has factual basis. Factual
0: basis that you can look up and get the answer to. Otherwise, it's right. subjective opinion.
1: Right. Well, so we've been wondering about you for years. It's yes, subjective. and
0: there, there's no factual basis of anything.
1: here. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> <laughs> not even sure if you exist. I don't know that either. In fact, I probably don't, but there's 13 more of me, according to string theory, or is it 12 of me? No, um, the, according to string theory, there is an infinite number of Infinite? Them. Infinite. There's an infinite number of me? <coughs> That's re- I'm yeah. so
0: fortunate. <laughs> is and, there
1: a way I could, like, you know, like George
0: Burns, uh, Burns Down used to go upstairs and turn on TV and watch his own show and give commentary? <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought it was brilliant, uh it hit break the fourth wall. Is there any way that I could break the fourth wall without uh Matt sending me a repair bill? no uh is there any way I could like turn on the t v like Johnny Jupiter and watch these other versions of my life? Uh, no, no,
1: No. but uh there is oh, there is rat. theory yeah that says that um each of the each of these universes live get in a closer bubble. to the microphone live please. in a bubble. Mm-hmm. and then on occasion the bubbles touch yes there's a movie about that mm.
0: you seen that one I uh, know great film it <clears throat> is called The Intersection
1: uh, I must have come across it on a porn site
0: <laughs> uh, no not a porn site it's not Marilyn Chambers Intersection with an essay I think I saw that huh? that's the one where yeah, they're all at a party and it starts off and you see people at a party and the screen goes black and you're at the party but it's later in the party it goes about five of these and then people leave the party, but when they come back, everything's different. And that's because all the combat has gone by and has caused these different dimensions in which we exist to cross over. And so people, if they're stupid enough to leave the house, when they come back in, it's not the same... A woman winds up when there's two of her in the same dimension. It was The party wasn't bad either. Anyway, getting back to murder on 9-11... Uh, when they're with, are you okay, Howard. That's good. They're when they're off in the in the kitchen having a little stupid uh, argument over what's better as a hobby, flying a plane or driving a boat. Now you can go on with the benefits, uh, features, and benefits of each one of these indefinitely, but there is no correct answer to what's a better hobby. Apparently, to Mister Shandola, this was his motive for murdering Robert Henry.
1: Boating over planing.
0: No, the Robert Henry preferred flying to boating. Right. And that was sufficient motive to murder him. Excellent. Now but how do you prove this? The guy c- <coughs> came out of the bushes dressed all in black with a shotgun, disappears, they search through the bushes, they search through everything. Now there were some witnesses that saw uh, a guy come out of the bushes and he looked kind of suspicious and he got on a motorcycle, took off. They tried to write down the motorcycle license plate number just in case, but they couldn't get the whole thing and it was a fake plate or stolen plate anyway. So there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever linking Shandola to this crime.
1: So let me me query this. Get this straight.
0: Put the lime in the coconut. So,
1: uh, they didn't uh, find uh, a weapon or Mm. uh, um, the uh, gun residue on his hand or clothes. They didn't find... It's a shotgun. Yeah, they didn't find any of the outfit that he was wearing. Absolutamente nada. Okay. If they had, they would have arrested the guy. So, he covered his tracks
0: well. Well, yeah. I mean, it was really... uh, There was nothing, right? Now, uh... The lead detective on that case was my old buddy Robert Urberry. Uh, uh, second of three generations of Urberries serving on the Tacoma Police Department. Now he pursued this case for six long years. It's the
1: longest case in the history of
0: Tacoma Police Department.
1: Now I, I remember uh, you and uh, our esteemed former uh, co-host uh, did uh, uh, Don Waldman interview the gentleman. Yes we did. Not Shandola but his name is not
0: Waldman. His name is Waldman. W-L-D-M-A-N. Yeah. Waldman. Well, your microphone isn't on. No, yes, it is. It, yeah, so there now it is. It is. What were you saying?
2: I was asking Mark had he not realized that after uh-huh. knowing him about 10, 15 years.
0: Oh, no, they don't. Uh, no. He's like a good burglar. He pays attention to details. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where were we? Years later, actually three years later... A shotgun is found under blackberry bushes on a hill near the parking lot where uh, Mr. Henry was murdered. And Analysis showed that it was indeed the murder weapon. Well, now, how do you laboriously search the ownership of a shotgun? Not easy. You ever see the movie Babel where the gun travels all the way around the world and winds up in Afghanistan or something?
2: Well, the gun liked the food.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could have wound up in Ethiopia. They got that spongy bread that's really weird. Anyway, getting back to the story. Oh, now, I just Jen, want to
2: make a note of that because I did not know there was spongy bread
0: in Ethiopia. Oh, yeah. Go to an Ethiopian restaurant and you will.
2: I'm so glad I made it in time for um, at least yeah. the end of the show.
0: They
1: use, they use the bread as the utensil.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> and the falasha eat falafels with the bread. <laughs> you can look that good. one up. <laughs> anyway, they also check out Shandola. He even has an alibi. He was working on some lady's house at that exact time that Robert Henry was murdered. So he's got the whole thing covered, right? Well, take six years of your burry cracking this shotgun. <gasps> the instant, uh, excuse me The investigation reached as far as Canada to the Caribbean into states adjoining Washington, including thousands of pages of follow-up information, uh, Yurberry told me. The weapon was, after five years, linked to Lawrence Shandola. Before the police completed their investigation, two potential witnesses had died. Uh, Jason Graham, who had provided the police with a description of a car parked near the crime scene, died in a car accident back in August of '96. Roscoe Buffington, who had told police about seeing Shandola at his home on the day of the crime, had died in 98. Now, on January 23, 2001, the state charged Shandola with first-degree murder for Henry's homicide. I got to tell you, before this happened, Shandola and Mrs. Henry worked at the same place. He would go and sit next to or across from her at lunch and make faces at her like, ha, 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 I killed your husband. Tough, you know, nothing you can do about it. Is boy. he
2: out of his mind?
0: Whoa, I wouldn't exactly <laughs> use him as the touchstone of sincerity. Or sanity. Sanity, I think, is what you were going for. Yeah. But sincerity works. Yeah. Plus, there's a book called Touchstone of Sincerity I have on my shelf. That's probably why I thought of that. Not written by you. Not written. One of the few <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. books of the universe not written by me. So this guy's a real jerk and a half. She complains to the police that Shandola, who I believe murdered my husband, likes to sit next to me or across from me at lunch and, you know, make faces at me and smirk. So the cops would come and they tell Shandola, take a hike, pal. We don't have enough to arrest you yet, but we're working on it. Six years later. <laughs> they got him. They arrested him. How come it took him and they took him <laughs> six years? For, and, and, what? And,
2: and what was the count? Sorry. What, what did they get him on?
0: He got him first degree murder. Okay,
2: took him six years to do.
0: This. Well, that's so, because they had they didn't find the weapon until three years later. Then they had to track where that weapon had been prior to that time. So what, what it went time all did the it? way to the Caribbean? Wound up at one of those uh, swap meet sales. You know where you can get a funnel cake and a shotgun at the same time. I like shooting the funnel cake. <laughs> Shoot those funnel cakes and. Uh, so they, they arrest him, and, and he, it was difficult to convict him a little bit because previously he'd had a uh, an alibi. But uh, it, uh, the preponderance of evidence and his charming personality. Henry's widow and his former acquaintance described the conflict between Shandola and Henry They came out of their former business partnership. It was a New Year's Eve altercation, actually not Christmas, when uh, Shandola hauled off and punched Henry... And Henry sued Shandola, seeking a judgment to cover the dental damages of having his teeth broken. Some of Shandola's co-workers testified that after the homicide, Shandola offered to sell them a shotgun. Another co-worker who had cooperated with the police investigation testified that Shandola had threatened him. And, of course, Paula testified that she had to get a restraining order against this guy to keep him from uh, harassing her after her husband's death. Now, he asserted that, contrary to his earlier statement to the police, that he uh, had been the home of a friend, uh, Rita Peck, Uh, the jury rejected the defense, found Shandola guilty as charged, and then they denied Shandola's motion for arrest of judgment or, alternatively, for a new trial. Instead, he was found guilty. Shandola was sentenced to 31.5 years in prison.
2: The point five?
0: Yeah, the point five was for good behavior. He has to stay an extra .5 years. Without possibility of parole, on September 11th, 2001, exactly six years from the date of the murder, Chandola left on the chain to begin serving his sentence. Now, the case could have remained unsolved if it weren't for the dedication of Detective Urbury. I mean, he had ceaseless determination to solve this case. I mean, when a case is that cold, after five years, still nothing... But he didn't give up on this one. He was just dedicated uh, to to get this case solved. And uh, they spared no costs or efforts to bring the killer to justice. Interesting that uh, Yerbury's father was on the Tacoma Police Department during the big corruption scandal back in the old days. And he emerged unscathed. I don't know if you're familiar with the corruption scandal in Tacoma, but it, it was pretty bizarre. The mayor and the chief of police were running all the gambling and whorehouses in Tacoma. But the police department also had a vice squad that was supposed to close down the whorehouses. <laughs> and and the and, and,
2: but they never did.
0: Well, they tried to. So there was actually a battle, a running battle, between the mayor and the chief of police and the police department. In Tacoma? In Tacoma. Where there's,
2: what, 100,000 people?
0: I, I'm on a good day. It also used to be the gonorrhea capital of America.
2: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, it was very difficult to win that award. Yeah, the big,
2: big contest. <laughs> they did,
0: yeah. Well, uh, in Atlantic fact, it, City, you have a big pageant. Uh, yeah, they had yeah. a pageant.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Please show us your evidence. But uh, venereal disease was quite rampant in Tacoma, and, and there's a, uh, a military, you know, base nearby, and no service people were allowed to be serviced in Tacoma. It wasn't just a clap, it was a standing ovulation. Thank so you. you. Go- <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Don't go there. But <laughs> that's Tacoma for you. I'm glad I rushed here. Yeah. Uh, Shandola tried to pull a few other clever stunts. Shandola tried to sue his victim's widow. 18 years after Paula Henry's husband was shot and killed by a family friend, the same friend is suing the widow... Uh, from him from prison. Shandola was suing Henry and others for a hundred thousand dollars each, alleging that Henry blocked his transfer from a Washington State prison to a prison in Canada where Shandola's from. The lawsuit alleges the, the block in the prison transfer caused Shandola uh intentional inflictions of emotional distress and was an invasion of his privacy. Imagine the gall of this guy. <clears throat> Judge was unamused by this BS. I mean he said, I want to go to Canada. I want to go to prison in Canada and they said, Yeah. And he said, Well, she kept that from happening and so are these other people, so I'm suing him for a hundred grand each. They told him Gay, cock it off and yaw, which is a legal expression. <laughs> go take a dump in the ocean, wife. It was
1: later adjudicated.
0: I said we're a, we're a sandwich today. You've got Easter, Passover, it's like uh, a, a sandwich with matzah and, and ham. <laughs> Did you bring matzah today, Mark? No. No, oh, we have plenty of it. We had plenty of it left over. Oh, I've got boxes. Boxes. I've only bought one box of matzahs. The big question is how do you tell? How do you tell
1: fresh matzahs from stale
0: matzahs? <clears throat> there there well, is a way.
1: If it Crispness. Says, if it says shmora on it, then it's definitely stale. I don't understand a damn word this guy says. What's Have you thing? ever had... Have you ever Manish- had Shmora Matzah? No. Have you ever had
0: Matzah Gold? Oh, no. What it's not that? kosher for Passover, so why bother? But Manischewitz made, I don't know if they still make it, a delicious product called Matzah Gold. What was the difference? It was leavened.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Honest like to God. The, I like the... Uh,
0: leavened uh, matzah. matzah. It was yummy. But not kosher for Passover. No. no. Well when the hell else it are you gonna eat? Well it, it? can't
1: rise. <laughs> if it Here's rises right. you're done. You don't have fry in the morning on Sunday? Not
0: today I didn't, but I'm looking forward to it tomorrow, my theory. Uh, now Paula Henry was unamused of course by this jerk, you know, suing her. This shouldn't happen to people. I'll tell you that, this should not happen to people. She even fears for his safety. He stalked me, he tried to intimidate me for five years. A convicted murderer should not be able to sue the surviving spouse of the victim. I mean, that highlights absolute absurdity in the law, and we need to do something about this. The judge dismissed the lawsuit. The prisoner doesn't have to pay, uh, does have to pay money, as Mark said, to the people he sued. Uh, Just be closer to his loving family. Uh, Shandola wanted to serve his prison term in Canada. Uh, well, or the best place should serve it in Afghanistan. Food's but, better. Food's better. Mm-hmm. Now, or you can go to Ethiopia and use bread as your utensil. You don't so he, eat. Yeah. You
2: don't eat in Canada.
0: Do they eat anything in Canada? Yeah. What's yes. food? Uh, What's wh- the Canada's uh, national uh, dish? Um, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it? Anybody
2: know? There is no national dish. It's 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 basically what they call Canadian food, which is American food only. They say only, Canadian. Maybe even yeah. blander than but, America, but uh, around Quebec, uh, the well, Quebec, Quebec, then you got the
0: French and faker
2: And It's all very good, of course. Uh, it's it is. phenomenal food.
0: You, you, you got pêche à la frog and frog à la pêche. In my
2: mm-hmm. opinion, I think uh, the best food in North America is New York, no question. Oh, yeah. And, uh, okay, say for twenty
0: five points, what's the largest city in North America?
2: New York. Okay, what?
0: Mexico City.
2: Oh yeah, North America. Yeah, I see you got me
0: with that. Yeah, I got you with that uh, one.
2: I knew you were going to get me. This is too easy a question. So yeah, yeah, peeled. Hang on, I'm not done with the food yet. Oh
0: yeah.
2: Uh, what was I talking about? We're talking
0: about how the best food in America is in New York.
2: New York's second best uh, in North America. Second best is Thai between Montreal and uh, New Orleans.
1: I didn't know they had Thai food in Montreal. A Thai. Oh, I yeah, know. I know you did. <laughs> well, I had no. I had New Orleans food, and it was. Uh, I was. Really would you have? It. You would, didn't like it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, you bet you did.
2: I know. I, now, I know. Magic
0: Matt Allen. Yeah, I remember, and that very microphone where he would speak into it on occasion. He told about uh, a restaurant he went to in Nolens. Yeah, when he was doing that movie, I still haven't seen. Right. With well, Category that's, that's Five. With Burr Reynolds. Yeah. Category 1. Category Five. Category Five. 200 points, I'll take
1: Category 5. Ah. And if you happen to be in L.A. and go to Pink's, you can I order. do know
0: that uh, that movie, five, Category five, 5, was shown on Norwegian
1: television.
0: Norwegian network television. So we
2: have Magic Mad speaking Norwegian? Yeah, they
0: dubbed it. Yeah, it's My buddy Robin Sherwood, disc uh, jockey Robin Sherwood, who's down Palm Springs. Uh, he used to be an actor. And he did a lot of movies and TV in Japan where he was very popular. Now, they would only let him get to a certain degree of fame before they wouldn't let him work, so he would drop down the fame meter because they didn't want someone who wasn't Japanese being, you know... Famous. Yeah. But he was doing... uh, He said he should ride the bus, and he also did uh, print ads. There's one of him wearing whatever kind of famous watch, you know, and his handsome face... And he would sit underneath the ad, riding the bus. People would look at the ad, look down at him, look up at the ad. No one, no one would say anything. No one would say, are you the guy directly above you? No, everyone was too polite to come over and ask. Oh,
1: like an Airplane.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, uh, he did a, a film uh, that was going to be on television, I guess. And they don't have swear words like we do in English and in, in Japanese. Now, this, he was supposed to be, like, beat up on the docks at night or uh, something, and so he's supposed to lose his temper and swear at to whoever beat him up if the guy leaves. He says, is this going to be dubbed or subtitled? Is this going to be dubbed in the Japanese? So just go ahead and ad-lib, scream whatever obscenities you want. So, being into it, we're all... And he just lets off a stream of horrific expletives, you know, too graphic for the radio, even on the Internet, probably. <laughs> and then he watches it on TV. It wasn't dubbed. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> sub- just subtitles. And he's going, you... It's <laughs> like, so, you dog, you one person This is screen. Excuse me, that was Mark. Well, we did a lot of Ultraman which is a kind of a cult classic Japanese sci-fi yes, show. Yes, it is. He would play the... He always, most of the roles he played was the American bad guy. There <laughs> a lot of American bad guys in Japanese films.
1: He always, oh, a lot of the anime that made it over here, did, you know, like a Speed Racer or a... Yeah, Man. but that's animated. Ultraman was kind of like Superman. It was live action, uh-huh. you know, real,
0: real human beings who would admit to being <laughs>
1: to being on the show
0: strange days of found you missed two exciting short
1: stories that I read Howard. is
0: that right
1: I want you to mail me the second one
0: you like that one fabulous I can tell you the moral of the story okay moral of the story the second one is it is preferable in the eyes of God to honestly serve on your knees in a brothel than to stand before the Lord in selfish disguise
2: okay uh,
0: the other one was Bat uh, Matt-, Matt liked the first one because it was funny called Olives for Easter. I had an Easter story and a Passover story. Because what can a man such as I do in today's modern day and age than crank out short stories because of my short attention span?
1: Uh, just a curiosity. Anyway. Yes. There Speak a- into the microphone, please. there any remediation for these short stories? Any remediation or remuneration? Remuneration. You know, do you get any money? Do I get any money?
2: Is it Remuneration. Probably. Yes. Numer
1: no. age. It's immunity. yeah.
0: That's correct. Remuneration. With an M. With an M. I should start writing books, I guess. I guess you could. I don't know. You could correct the spelling in mind. Yeah. <laughs> remuneration? Sounds Mute. like something Reverend Moon would do. Moon. Mune. Are you immune to remuneration? So darling? what's the what's
1: the name of the of this uh, lovely little short story you were talking about?
0: What are you talking about? The book. The book you're hawking. Oh, the what book? Oh, Murder on 9-11. Murder by Burl Bear. By Burl Bear. It's a short
1: E-A-R-E-R. book. Yes,
0: It's called Murder on 9-11, and uh, it's the story of the murder of Robert Henry and the conviction of Larry Shandola. It was done on TV, as a matter of fact, called uh, Bad Things Happen to Good People. But certainly it certainly was true. And Mrs. Shandola, bless her heart, Actually, went on the, it was the, uh, ran on it, runs every once in a while on Investigation Discovery. Many times she had been approached to be interviewed about this case by different TV production companies, and she always refused. Just it, didn't, it was too painful to want to talk about it. However, because uh, it was Robert Urberry, the detective, came to her on behalf of yours truly and said, Burl uh, wants us to do this TV show together with him and talk about the case he agreed. Ah. And which was very strong of her, and very brave of her. And we had a little side conversation in between taping the different segments. And I said, please forgive me for bringing this up. I said, but in my, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, in my entire career I have never heard a motive for murder as absolutely stupid as the murder of your husband. She says, you I agree, hundred percent. I mean, you think what's the motive for murder? He liked flying better than boating. That can do it. That'll do it. Push it right over there. I mean, that is ab- Not that there's any rational reason for killing another human being, although people do it. But it makes no sense. I mean, what do you expect to get out of that? What's the big payoff for murdering somebody? Burning in hell, if there's such a thing, or life in prison. Of course, we never. Heard I have about never it.
2: done such a thing. Of, uh, have I thought about it? Not really. Would I have liked it? On some people, sure. 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 Um, the end of my story.
0: <laughs> I was thinking just last night. There was a true crime writer in France who was writing. Uh, was it France or Germany? I can't. I to tell you who knows this or so what's his name, but <laughs> he was writing about the serial killer. He was the serial killer. The guy who was investigating the serial killer case and writing about it in the newspaper was the serial killer. Oh.
2: So did he come up behind himself and bite himself on the ass? Yes, he, he did. did. Okay.
0: Much like uh, Angelina Rodriguez I helped the police catch her by, <laughs> here's some more clues. <laughs> you wonder what these people are thinking. So I wondered to myself, I wonder if someday being as I'm slowly getting more old and more senile if I'll snap and uh, you know, get a weapon and decide I'm going to go kill everybody who ever pissed me off. Damn! How many, pe- how many people They're are not going to be alive long enough? Man. I know, because I mean, so half I, a
2: radio goes down right there. <laughs> right there. So, I mean, if yeah. it,
0: I told Matt we should just make a list of program directors we've had. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be like Schindler's. No, list no, make a reverse. smaller
2: list of the program directors you liked.
0: Oh, it's a smaller list. Yeah, much smaller. I had a program director who was young enough to be my. My grandson, right? And he was very worried that I was going to undermine his brilliant efforts in programming. Is that right? Yeah. Jeez, and, I, I've never
2: heard of such a thing.
0: And well, I said, "Excuse me." Did it occur to you that after all these years, I might be a trained broadcast professional who knows that if I don't uh, follow your programming theory, and if I'm not hundred percent supportive, we'll never know if you are right or not. If I give it my best shot at doing what you want, if what you want was right, it's going to be a hit. But if I undermine it, we'll never know. Why would I undermine my own success? Dumb schmuck. I guess maybe because he figured if the roles were reversed, he'd undermine me. Probably. That probably was it. That's why they say complaints are a person's best autobiography. When you hear someone complaining about something over and over, they're usually talking about themselves. <laughs> you stop and think about that. Look back, that's pretty damn accurate. And ask God what I'm going to complain about, is accuracy. <laughs> Just can't have too much of that. Hey. So what's been going on in your life? Would that be me? Yeah. I was late. Well, that's a, that's understandable. Yeah. Was it some hot broad? No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> well, your wife hears that. <laughs>
2: hot broad has made me late since the late 60s. Uh-huh. But, um, no, a friend of mine called me from uh, from England. Really? What's going on over there? He's uh, a manager, such as myself. Uh-huh. And uh, manages the Soup Dragons and Uriah Heep and bands like that.
0: Oh, I remember Uriah Heep. a Charles Dickens character. Soup Dragons were actually pretty good. The big. Soup Dragons. Yep. Yeah, that's a restaurant, isn't it? No.
2: no. <laughs> but out of nowhere, there I get this call from uh, from England, and he wanted to say hello.
0: Oh, well, hello. Very nice. How are the Soup Dragons doing these days? I don't
2: know. He probably called because he needs money. You know, what can I <laughs> Just wanted to talk I told him to listen to the show, so I'm saying that because I <laughs> I'm not hanging up on you. <laughs> he can hear the show
0: right in his own... Yeah, it's 10 o'clock at night there. That's right. He probably was bored, drunk, and said, Who do I know that I can call? Oh. Yeah. Not Uriah Heep, but, but Not close. Uriah Heep. Yeah.
2: The Soup Dragons.
0: Sure. Uh, if I was going to name a band, I would not name them Uriah Heep. Uriah Heep did fairly well. Yeah, but there's something unpleasant about the name. Okay. <laughs> was Uriah Heep a good character? I don't you know. know. Mark would know. By the way, which one's Pink? Which one's Pink yeah. and Pink yeah. Floyd? Yeah, I like that one. Have a cigar. One of the worst was when uh, Carradine... The song, Which one? The one who died in the closet. David. When he's interviewed for Kill Bill, and the interviewer says, why do you want to kill Bill? Well, he played Bill. Yeah. The look on his face when he looked at the interviewer was enough to kill the interviewer.
2: And jump in the closet. And jump in the <laughs> closet and hang himself. Yeah.
1: My favorite is uh, from the seventies. Yes, and I'm listening to one of the local radio stations here, and they're interviewing Richard and Karen Carpenter. Ooh. Richard and Karen Richard and are, Carpenter. And the interviewer asked, asked, "So, what was it like growing up together as brothers?" As uh, no, pardon me. What was uh, what's it like being married and performing? Uh, what
0: what was it like growing up? It? No, yeah, no, well, I, he, got he, it back he screwed it
1: up worse than the guy did, and now he's doing. He yes, he asked them well, what was it like being married and, yeah. and working together. Yeah, and they went along with it. It was hysterical. Oh, that's funny, actually. Yeah, they had fun with it.
0: Yeah, I always want. I do a girl who wanted to marry her brother. Uh, in fact, they've been having sex together since oh, she was twelve. God. Why
1: do I have to
0: do that? And uh, she firmly believed that she was going to get to marry her brother when she grew up, and then. When maturity struck and she found out that, no, you can't marry your brother, and also your brother just got married, it caused a complete breakdown.
2: Yeah, that's true. The marriage stood in the way. Is that yeah, marriage saying? stood in the
0: way of her marrying her brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was a nice girl too. No, she wasn't. She was. She was very nice. I always felt sorry for her over that story. She wasn't. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't. She was screwed up, but she was a very nice girl. But she wasn't. She's twelve years old, and her brother's saying, "Here, honey, we'll get married." Yeah. Uh, How did this even get in the show? There were some bad parents. When I was writing the book uh, Headshot, which has a lot of uh, multi-generational incest in it, she provided me with uh, books that she uh, had on the topic from when she went to a special treatment center for... uh, People who had been in uh, brother sister incest relationships. There's a whole building for this. There is a whole. It's a whole of thousands thousands of people suffer from that, and it's multi generational. It's very tragic. Yeah. But she had books on the subject that she gave me to read, so that I could. What did you learn? I learned that you shouldn't strip your sister. So you needed the book for that. <laughs> no, but it talks about there are only two uh, behavioral responses. To being in a incestual relationship with your sibling. One? One is you become completely asexual. Have no sex drive whatsoever. You think?
2: Okay. And two?
0: Two, which makes more sense. Oh, okay. Is they appear to be very promiscuous. Having sex with what appears to be virtually anyone, which isn't true. I discussed this recently with a friend of mine was a, a female who was a victim of incest from uh, her father and her brothers growing Did up. Did they have to take a number? Yeah, yeah, like being in a bakery. Yeah, And she's confirmed it is true.
2: It's a hard thing
0: and to And that figure. is, if she was going to have sex, she was going to decide who she was going to have sex with, and no one else was going to make that decision for her. So if she had sex with somebody, it was because she chose to, not because someone else chose
1: for her. Isn't that a woman? Not necessarily a victim, though. So she may
0: appear to have sex more often than others, but every time she does, she is affirming her own ownership of her body because it was her decision so every time she makes that decision, she's affirming her freedom to choose.
1: Nah, she Is she available? Yes, she is. Oh,
0: cool. Yes, you. but
2: I have got bad news for you, Mark. Not for you.
0: Oh. No, she could, maybe, because you're a nice guy, but uh, it'll cost you. Oh. <laughs> I can set it up for you. You, you
2: want to throw in 50 bucks for
0: him? <laughs> I was going to ask him if I could borrow the money. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no one here to give me a ride down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> call Uber. It's a tragic story. Oh, speaking of which, uh, I go to use my PayPal card the other day uh, when I was down at uh, La Brea and Venice Boulevard. Lovely neighborhood. And uh, I go on to 7 Eleven. Use the guy, sorry, your card was declined. I know I got money on the account. I go, that doesn't make any sense. So I call PayPal. I say, hey, my card was just declined. I was just trying to spend X dollars. They got, you know, plenty in there. I said, uh, let's check on this. Oh, we see why, Mr. Bear. Your uh, your debit card with uh, PayPal was closed by Bancorp. I say, I beg your pardon? I've never had any problem with Bancorp. I put money in my, pay- you know, money goes in, people pay me. That's why I run my business payments out of PayPal to keep it separate from my personal account. And I pay, you know. So, well, we don't know why, but they closed your, your account. So I figured, aha, I'll be one up. I got some money on my Venmo account. I'll use that. Guess who owns Venmo? PayPal. So Can't. what's the
2: end of that story?
0: <laughs> the end of that story is I'm pissed. What was the beginning of that story? <laughs> beginning of that story was a good burglar pays attention to details.
2: Oh, well, you got me on that one.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the way the story starts. The mad like that I read to him today. So now i got to wrestle PayPal and Venmo two out of three falls to find out why they have closed my business accounts. Probably for a violation of terms of service. My daughter years ago was working as a phone psychic. Yeah. And PayPal closed her account. Because the same company that had the uh, phone psychics also had, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, sex talk, phone sex. And uh, Yeah, they would just
2: go from one call to the other. they just have to realize what line it's coming
0: in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I am a psychic vision that you're going to have an orgasm in less than 25 minutes depending vision. on well, the you, credit on your card. You're not going to have sex again today. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that's the excitement. So that's why I'm going to shake Mike Boyer down for some money so I can uh, get an Uber to get the hell out of here any <laughs> minute. So that's our exciting show for today. Uh, Barbara Casey's going to be on our show next month. Thought I'd mention that. She's thrilled and excited at the very, very prospect. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, she booked it a month in advance so she could steal her nerves. <laughs> She's sitting with a bottle of Old Forrester right now staring at the calendar. (laughs) Not a a bad whiskey. Yeah, Not a bad calendar
1: either. You gotta stare at it that long.
0: (laughs) Howard Lapidus is sitting here shaking his head.
1: And for good reason. (laughs) So we only have one guest coming up in the next month? In the
0: next several months we have one confirmed guest. No, no, no. We will find more than that. I'm usually able to browbeat fellow true crime authors in a submission. (laughs) <laughs> <Now> we're still <laughs> shaking. I'm not going
2: to stop shaking my head. Because I, 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 I like to do what the audience is doing. <laughs> the They're audience, shaking
0: their head. They're shaking. There are very few true crime shows as vastly entertaining as this one. You it's it's the
2: only one that's entertaining. <laughs> a, Have you ever heard these said true crime shows? They're very oh, good. yeah. Yes, I've heard but, the other
0: ones. I've heard the other true crime shows. In fact, Frank <laughs> Gerardo uh, Jr. and I are going to be at Lit Fest in Pasadena next month on the 19th. And uh, he's moderating a panel on true crime podcasts, and which ones are entertaining. And I'm on the panel <laughs> along with you three... not entertaining. No, yeah. it's just about true crime podcasts, and uh, I'm going to be there representing us. Well, bro,
2: it's a pleasure spending some time with you. I man. know it's always a it thorn. always is. Yeah, and if I may, yes. What's next? Magic Red Allen on the demons of decadence live
0: from the Lighten Up Lounge at AllRadioLive